Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 187 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for BoxingMonthly.com and Boxing Monthly Magazine. And as you can see right here, the new issue of Boxing Monthly is out in stores and right there on the cover, The Welter Wars, an article about the welterweight division and what's going on. And of course, the big one later this month, we got Errol Spence fighting Sean Porter. That's in Los Angeles at Staples Center. I will be there covering that event along with Tiffany Lamb, the very, very beautiful and talented Tiffany Lamb. So we're going to be flying out there late next week. We're actually going to be out there in SoCal for two weeks to cover that event and take care of some other stuff, visit some friends and family, the whole nine. So uh, good times, man. Um, let's see. Guys, I don't charge a fee for this podcast. I do ask that uh, if you want to pledge here uh, live on YouTube on Super Chat, please do so. If you want to get a question in or just tip the show. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Montero Unboxing if you want to contribute. And we have these, Montero Unboxing Tees. So we sold a few of them this week. And uh, we got a few left in stock before we head out to LA. So if anyone's interested in any of that, Email me at MonteroOnBoxing at gmail.com. All right, so tonight uh, we're going to discuss a few things. We've got upcoming fights that are coming together. A few of them are not yet official, but they're basically on like the one-yard line to use an NFL reference. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about them tonight because they're done. They're, they're done and everyone else, everyone knows they're done regardless of what you're hearing. We're going to talk about that, including this KSI versus Logan Paul thing. I'm going to talk about that for a second. And then we got a lot to preview this weekend. It's Mexican Independence Day weekend, which has become, I mean, a Mexican Independence Day obviously is a huge holiday in the country of Mexico, but here in the United States, it's kind of become a holiday for boxing. The Saturday of that weekend, the Saturday around that holiday has become pretty much the biggest boxing weekend of the year in the United States. And what's crazy is that we don't have any big super fight happening this Saturday. It's kind of disappointing, but at the same time, as I've talked about in the last few weeks, this, the last quarter of this year, man, October through December is going to be so great. It's going to make us forget all about this Mexican Independence Day weekend. But for those of you who like to go to Vegas, the Saturday around Mexican Independence Day, we got lineal heavyweight championship on the line. I'll talk a little bit about that, of course. All right. Let me see if you guys have any questions up front here. Saloon Mooney is watching from Poland. Awesome. Awesome. We got Captain Hill Chronicles watching from... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. I got that right. I got that wrong. Oh, man. This chat's updating quickly. Maciej Kosicki? Kosici? Watching from Poland. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I butchered that name. I'm so sorry, brother. Captain Hill Chronicles, of course, watching from Canada. Got you guys uh, watching from all over the world. I love it. Drazu's asking, uh, Montero, how you doing? How's the new house? So uh, I just built a door. <laughs> That's all I do now is build doors. And uh, just uh, put down a coat of sealant on it. I'm going to paint it later and install that this weekend. We're getting there, guys. It's getting there. I've started to put the ceiling in my office. I built out all the walls and everything, and I got to finish the ceiling. I insulated everything to like soundproof it. So the studio is getting close. And then after that, I'm going to put some carpet down and everything. I'm telling you, we're getting there. By the end of this year, by the holidays, 
This thing is going to be finished. And the studio will be up and running. It's going to be so dope. Part of my trip to LA is to work on some business stuff, to meet with a few guys about the future of TNC, where this show's going, and uh, who wants to become a part of it. So uh, more to come with all that. We'll talk. I won't bore you guys too much with that this week. Captain Hook Chronicles with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, Mike, does Chisora have a point in his last rant? Okay, so Captain Hook Chronicles is talking about Derek Chisora, who went off on a rant uh, a long rant that was somewhat coherent, somewhat incoherent. <laughs> I love Derek Chisora, man. He's a great character. Uh, during a press conference for the Pro Gray Taylor fight. Now, Captain of the Chronicles, you're going to have to give me details about what part does he have a point about. Because he kind of went off on a bunch of different shit. And you guys saw what he went on. He was talking during the presser, but then after that, some of the YouTube guys got to him and he did a few more rants and talked to a few more guys. And I saw some stuff on social. So just get, be a little more specific. Um, you guys are saying the front mic is off. Let me check. Hopefully my mic is working. Mic is working, hopefully. One of you guys said the mic is off, but everyone else seems to be hearing me pretty good. So hopefully we're good on that. Captain Hill Chronicles said to be the main event. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, dude. Um, I think he was saying something about... Okay, so a few of you guys said the mic is fine. Okay, so uh, for... for I can't remember who it was. That if, the mic, if the audio is off, dude, just refresh the video and hopefully you'll be okay. But uh, man, you're going to have to... Dude, I've had so much news that I've had to pump in. Uh, to get ready for the show, I remember that I forget the specifics about what he was saying about the main event. Chisora wants to be the headline. Oh, I think he feels, I think he was saying like he feels he should be the main event and everything else. Uh, no, he shouldn't. I mean, I love Derek Chisora, but he's, I mean, he should be happy he's on such a big card. You know, yeah, he was bitching about money, headlining, he was bitching about a bunch of other things. But he is at a point in his career where he's not headlining anymore. Like he's not the main event. And I understand he had a, like a knockout of the year recently or a knockout of the year candidate and everything else. I understand that. But Progray and Taylor is the World Boxing Super Series finale. Taylor is undefeated. Progray is undefeated. They're bringing titles together. Obviously, they're headlining. And Chisora should be happy to be fighting on that card. And if he performs well on that card, then he could be headlining in a fight next year. You know what I'm saying? That's where his mind should be. Chisora is a character. I don't know if he can headline his own card right now, sure. But it would be nowhere near the size, the, the event that Prograde Taylor is going to be. And he, he knows that. He's just doing what he does to help get himself into a, a big event again. And I don't blame him for that. But yeah, he's not... He's not headlining right now at least not big shows um let me see a couple more questions and then we'll get into uh some quick news and notes we got uh guys saying Devin Haney is the next Floyd Mayweather Devin Haney has the knockout of the year against Antonio Moran some of you guys are trolling and saying that Devin Haney is better than Sugar Ray Robinson and Henry Armstrong combined hilarious Daily Boxing 365 says Pro Gray versus Taylor is number one versus number two. Exactly. The winner of that fight is the man. 
They're the man of that division. I understand Jose Carlos Ramirez unified titles, but this is number one versus number two. They went through the tournament. Winner of this fight is the man, the lineal champion. Lineal, there's that word again, of that division. And of course, I want to see the winner against Ramirez next year. However, you know, look, it's going to be for the Ring Magazine title. It should be. We voted for that on the committee. And I mean, I, I think it's undisputed. Seriously. I understand there's other titles. And before, well, I won't say undisputed, but they're the top guy. Winner is the top guy. Got to fight Ramirez, though. That'd be awesome. Boxing Tech asking, how many belts does Chisora got? LOL. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chisora is, Derek Chisora is what he is. He's a character, and I love the character that he is. He's made for some great moments in Look, boxing press conferences are usually boring as shit. I hardly ever go to them anymore because they're a waste of time for a media guy because they, they stream most of that stuff anyway. They're good if you want to grab some interviews. But Derek Chisora makes them fun. He's had several fun ones in recent memory. But uh, he's kind of a gatekeeper level heavyweight. Kind of a gatekeeper level. We're in a bubble just under the top 10. He's in the top 15. Always going to give someone a tough night in the office if he's sharp and on his A game. But he's not an elite level heavyweight. And he knows that. And that is, it just is what it is. Daily Boxing 365 says, we need characters like Chisora. Hell yeah. I completely agree with that. Again, I like Derek Chisora. All right. Let's talk about some of these fights coming up. So first of all, Kovalev Canelo. That's going to happen November 2nd, Las Vegas. Okay. So... We'll talk a lot more about that fight. A lot more about that fight, obviously, in the coming months. They have, you know what, let's see, all of October, all of, they don't even have two full months to promote that fight. They don't need to. It's Canelo, it's Las Vegas. So they'll be fine. That's going to be a big event. I've gone back and forth on this fight. Look, it's not a cherry pick for Canelo Alvarez. It's not a cherry pick, but it's very, very much a calculated risk. I've talked about that a few times. Here's an example I can give, okay? I have a Jeep. I bought a brand new Jeep last year. My first brand new car in my life when I moved out here to Atlanta. That was one of the cool things about moving here to a quieter part of the country where things are cheaper. I was able to do that. Anyway, if I'm driving through the mountains, which I did recently, Tiffany's birthday last weekend, we went up to the mountains and visited some cool little towns up there there was like a a little christmas town a little german town we visited all these places it was fun driving through the mountains is no freaking joke out here right if you got a jeep with big badass tires but there's no tread on them you could be slipping and sliding all over those mountains while you're driving through there and if there's a freaking rainstorm you sure as hell don't want to be driving through the mountains with no tread on your tires even if they're big badass expensive tires I would rather have small, efficient tires with a lot of tread on them if I'm driving through a rainstorm in the mountains. That's the, it's a horrible comparison, but it's the best I could come up with for this fight. You understand what I'm saying? Canelo Alvarez, yes, smaller tires, a lot more tread, a lot sharper, a lot more efficient. Sergey Kovalev, big badass tires, that tread is worn thin. Some of the little spokes in the uh, tires, some of the little metal pieces are starting to poke through some of the tread, right? There's some cracks in the tread. You want to go driving through a rainstorm with those kind of tires on your Jeep? I don't know about that. That's why, that's just how I see this fight. Now, 
because Kovalev's bigger, I'm starting to think this might go the distance. I really am. At first, you guys know, I thought that Canelo was just going to bomb him to the body and get him out of there. But you look, who the hell is Canelo knocked out? That's a decent fighter anyway. North of 155, you know, Canelo catchweight. Who is he knocked out? He doesn't knock anybody out at middleweight. He didn't knock out Chavez at 160. I can't remember what damn weight that fight was, that catchweight that was at. The super middleweight fight. He knocked out Fielding, but Fielding isn't even a top 10 super middleweight. I don't give a shit if he had a title. He's not even a top 10 super middleweight. No disrespect to him. He's just not. So, Ozzy, yeah, 164, I think 164 and a half, Ozzy, that fight was. Um, And he was playing it a little safe. He didn't want to mess up the fight with Golovkin. I get that. But he couldn't stop those guys. He doesn't knock people out. So I'm starting to think distance fight. Does anybody in their right mind think Sergey Kovalev can win a fucking decision against Canelo Alvarez in Las Vegas, even if he jabs the shit out of him and outboxes him? Do you think he's going to get the decision? So bet the bank on Canelo Alvarez by decision in that fight. And depending on what the over-under is, bet the over. Right now, the odds are pretty wide. I think as it gets closer to the fight, the odds will even up a little bit. I think more of the Eastern European money will come into Vegas and affect the odds. But if the over-under, let's say, is like seven rounds, eight rounds, bet the over and make bank on that fight. Trust me. If the over-under is 11 rounds, different story. But anyway, we'll talk more about that, of course, in the months to come. That's going to be announced any minute soon, officially. A rematch between Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. That is going to happen November 23rd at the MGM Grand Las Vegas on Showtime pay-per-view. The beef with this is it was going back and forth between Showtime and Fox. And really, honestly, Fox would be better. I, I, I don't know why. Showtime, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to buy into it. Showtime's on their way out. Ozzy asks, is Ortiz still alive? Ha! <laughs> yeah. George Underwood, pay-per-view, what? Yeah, it's, it's going to be pay-per-view, guys. But as far as I, yeah, I do believe it's going to be pay-per-view. If it's not pay-per-view, that's awesome. But as I've heard Showtime pay-per-view. That's who's distributing it. Um, so I think this went to Showtime because Showtime, Steven Espinoza has been very good to Uncle Al, particularly Deontay Wilder. In the last couple years, went to bat for him, spent a hell of a lot of money to broadcast Wilder Brazil, way more money than that fight was worth, way overpaid for it. That's why their budget was shit for so much of the year. Uh, earlier, was that earlier this year? And it lasted, what, half a round? So I think Uncle Al felt, you know what, let, let, me, let me throw Steven Espinoza a bone here, and they decided to go with Showtime. But if you look at what Fox is doing, Fox pay-per-view, they have that machine behind it, right? Fox is in however many million homes, over 100 million homes in this country. Fox pay-per-view would have been a smarter play, but Showtime pay-per-view, it is. And look, I think Ortiz is going to be 624 years old when that rematch happens. He's got a blood, he's got a heart condition, blood pressure issues. Remember, I'm the only one in the media who talks about this, but he was only medically cleared to fight Deontay Wilder the first time the morning of the fight. They literally flew in Charles Martin, I think Thursday night, maybe Friday, uh, to be on standby to fight Deontay Wilder because up until the Saturday of the fight, the first fight, Luis Ortiz had not been cleared by the New York State Athletic Commission. 
So anyway, that's going down November 23rd. So November, you got a couple of big, big events, right? And they're both in Vegas. So good for Vegas because they've had a down year. Also, uh, let's talk about this. This is also in November. November 9th in Los Angeles at Staples Center on the zone. KSI versus Logan Paul 2, the rematch the whole world wanted. Okay, let me just say this. There are a lot of people out there, boxing purists, that are really offended by that event, KSI versus Logan Paul. So for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure you all do if you're watching this show, because that means you're a freaking diehard if you're watching my show. Um, These guys are internet YouTube guys. I don't know if they're rappers or Instagram models or what it is that they do. The one dude basically looks like he could be an Instagram model or something or like a shampoo commercial model. And the other dude's a pretty boy too. I don't know what they do. I just know they're on YouTube. They fought last year. I think KSI won. I don't even know which one that is. <laughs> he won and they're going to do a rematch. And now it's it's pro. So they got their license, you know, headgears off. And there's a lot of people in boxing that are really pissed off. And they're like, man, this ruins the, the sanctity of boxing. And, and, you know, what we stand for in boxing, blah, blah, blah. Look screw all that I mean come on boxing screws itself all the time with that kind of crap with morals and ethics let's get out of here with that shit this fight isn't going to ruin boxing it's actually going to make a lot of freaking money now at the same time to all the people out there who who are saying um, that this is going to bring new fans to the sport it's going to it's going to build fans it's going to bring in a whole new fan base get the fuck out of here no it's not The people that are going to be watching KSI and Logan Paul, yeah, they got tens of millions of YouTube subscribers. I I get it, okay? And again, I don't know what the hell they do. But think about it this way, guys. If the Kardashian sisters, two of the, pick whichever two you want. If two of them did celebrity boxing, two of the Kardashians, Kim and Courtney, the one that that looks like a wildebeest in Kim, who's really, really photoshopped and vastly overrated in my opinion anyway, Neither of them are the best looking one. I can't remember the name of the best looking one. Courtney? I can't remember. Anyway, those two. If they got in the ring and boxed, millions of people would watch that shit. Seriously. If two of the Kardashian sisters fought at Staples Center in Los Angeles, they live in the greater LA area, I do believe, and they did it on Fox or NBC or something, man, millions of people would watch. Millions of people. Would any of those people become boxing fans? Would any of them become hardcore fans? Get, get the fuck out of here. That's what this is too. That's what this is. KSI and Logan Paul, their, their fans on YouTube are going to watch this fight. They're going to spend money. They're going to make money. Uh, Uncle or crazy cousin Eddie is going to make money because Eddie Hearn's promoting this. DAZN's going to make money. Staples is going to make money. Everyone's going to make money. It's going to make them real happy. And we're probably going to see more events like this. But it's not going to build new fans. It's going to build a little segment of the sport where maybe once a year, once every other year, you get a freak show like this. <laughs> Silvio asked, does Charlie Z get the winner? <laughs> Charlie Zelenoff. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be there trolling the hell out of both of these guys. There's probably going to be fights like this in the future. Look, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor was a freak show. That was an absolute freak show, Right. Oh, Chris Bergen says KSI Logan Paul 1 was a draw. I did not know that. 
Okay, so it was a draw. Gail Falkenthal says, different strokes for different folks. Let people have their fun. Yes, exactly, Gail. My whole point to all this is, I don't give a shit about this fight one way or the other. I'm not going to go watch it. I'm not going to go cover it. But it's not going to destroy boxing. It's not going to add new fans to boxing. It's a one-off. And people are going to make money. So they'll do something like this again. And anytime these two dudes fight, their fans from YouTube will tune in. And then they're going to tune back out of boxing. That's just how this shit works. Trini. Trini with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He doesn't even have nothing to say. He just wants to do the super chat. Trini, you're the man. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate that, man. I hope you're not working right now. I hope you're not working. I hope you're done working for the day and you're chilling and having a beer because you deserve it, brother. All right, one more fight coming up, guys. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, 12-0, going up against Joette Gonzalez, 23-0. Of course, Stevenson from the East Coast. You got Gonzalez from the West Coast from L.A. They're going to be fighting for the vacant featherweight WBO title that Oscar Valdez uh, um, vacated when he moved up in weight. So this fight's going to take place October 26th in Reno, Nevada. Uh, I think it was Joette Gonzalez's side. They wanted to demand Stevenson do Vada testing. So they are. So both fighters are doing Vada testing for this. So these are just some of the fights coming up. Again, guys, really from that, I guess from now, from this weekend, I mean, we got some action going on. But the end of this month, we have a big fight in Spence and Porter. From that point to the end of the year, we got a lot of shit going on. A lot of shit going on. Saloon Mooney says, uh, Serrano Hardy is Friday. Yo. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that one because I got some things to say. I, I got some uh, positive things to say and some criticisms. All right. I'm going to give my thoughts on that. All right. Let's get into, Azier says, uh, I think Montero will edge Ortiz fight with his youth. <laughs> I love it. Tommy Boseo watching from Northern Canada. Thank you so much, my man. Azier says, Hardy and Serrano are babes. Look, I, I will say this. They're attractive women. And, and Hardy has a very nice body, okay? She's in tremendous shape. So seeing them train, seeing them at the weigh-in, it, it's not hard on the eyes. You know, it's, it's easy on the eyes. So that does help market the fight. However, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about female fighting and some of my issues with it. In fact, let's get into this, okay? Saturday, or I'm sorry, Friday, September 13th, we have fights. Matchroom Boxing is putting on a card at MSG uh, at the theater, Madison Square Garden Theater in New York. Of course, this is on the zone. So we have a few different fights here. Um, Kazakh native now fights out of Miami, Florida. Daniar Yeliusinov, 7-0. and uh, He's going to be fighting Rashard Hicks. I don't know if it's six or eight rounds. They haven't decided yet, but that's a great welterweight prospect to keep an eye on. 2012-2016 Olympian out of Kazakhstan. Michael Hunter, undefeated, or I'm sorry, one loss heavyweight, Michael Hunter, American heavyweight, 17 wins in his career, 12 by KO. His only loss was to Alexander Usyk at cruiserweight. No harm in that. Going up against undefeated heavyweight, Sergey Kuzmin, who's 15-0, 11 knockouts. That is a 10-round heavyweight fight. I like that fight a lot. And I shade Hunter in that fight. I think he's going to win that. Let's talk about the female fight before we get to the main event, Okay. Heather Hardy, 22-0, going up against Amanda Serrano, one of the Serrano sisters. Highly accomplished, not just in boxing, but accomplished, I think, in MMA and jiu-jitsu. A couple different martial arts, not just boxing. 
This is a 10-rounder for Hardy's WBO Women's Featherweight title. So, real quick tale of tape. Hardy, 37 years old. And I think she's done MMA too. 5'5", 64-inch reach. She has fought between 122, 126. The heavier weights. Uh, Actually not. She's kind of fit right in the middle. Serrano is turning 31 next month. She's also 5'5", 65-inch reach. She's actually fought at heavier weight. She started lighter, though. She's gone from 118 all the way up to 135. She's kind of fluctuated back and forth. I don't know a whole lot about women's boxing, but I know more than the average person. And looking at both of their resumes, I can tell you Serrano has faced the much better opposition. Much better opposition. That's why she's so heavily favored in this fight. She's younger, better opposition, more overall experience, amateur pro. And uh, as far as, you know, high-level experience. And she should win this fight by decision. So whenever a female fight comes up, now because of the political era that we live in, you start seeing certain rhetoric. And the big thing is about equal pay, right? You hear, and a lot of female fighters are talking about this. Not all of them. Some of them actually just do their job and fight. But... Azier says, but Hardy has the better body. That doesn't count. It, it does count, Azier. And she does have the better body. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, not that that matters. You know, hey, hey. But you know what? S- screw it. Because when we talk about guys fighting, we talk about which guy's in better shape. It's not sexist. So that's the thing, man. The fact that I feel uncomfortable just saying that and I thought I was going to get in trouble highlights something about this whole deal. Azier says, sorry. Yeah, Azier, you just got me in trouble, man. Someone's going to take that little segment and put it out there on the internet, and I'm going to get in trouble for that. Women's boxing is different than men's boxing. And, and bottom line is, this is the entertainment industry. It's sports, which is, there's a hierarchy, right? The best make it to the top, and the best make the most money. It's not just like that in boxing. It's like that in every sport. So there are very few sports where the women compete at the same level or at least bring in the same type of revenue, the same kind of ratings as the men do. When it comes to uh, tennis, I I think that, or or volleyball, women's volleyball, women's tennis, they do very, very well, right? There are certain sports where they do very, very well. Boxing, you're just not getting the same product. You're not getting the same product with women as you do with men all the time. That's not to say the women fighters don't work their ass off. That's not to say they don't have heart and they don't try their hardest. But Heather Hardy, for example, 22-0, four knockouts, right? And she's one of the best female fighters in the world. That type of knockout ratio. Clarissa Shields, who many feel is the best female fighter right now, zero knockouts. I don't even know if she scored a knockdown at this point. What makes boxing so intriguing for a lot of fans, particularly casual fans, what I call Joe Sixpack, watching somewhere in Nebraska, checking out PBC on Fox, is the knockout, right? And that's not just in boxing. That's in UFC. That's everywhere. You want to see the knockout. You're not going to get that with the women's fighters because of genetics, biology. Women do not have the same upper body strength that men have. And therefore, you're not going to get the knockouts. It's not going to be as exciting. Why Ronda Rousey, and people always point to Ronda Rousey as the example with MMA. What made her so exciting is because in MMA, you don't have to have upper body strength to score stoppages. 
you can uh, tie someone up and you do an arm bar or something like that, right? I mean, you got to be strong, but you get what I'm saying. You don't have to be a very good puncher to score stoppages in MMA. Those fighters can't take punches as well. They're not trained for it. Uh, they're preparing for a bunch of other different things, kicks and arm bars and all this stuff. Ronda Rousey was tapping girls, making girls tap out. She was ripping her arms out of the socket, right? Her wrestling was so dominant that she was stopping girls. So fights were the equivalent in MMA of a knockout, if you will, a, a knockout on the ground. That created excitement and buzz. And she was marketed very, very well. Uh, quick break here. Chris Bergen chiming in with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says, my girlfriend hates boxing but watches Anthony Joshua fights. Hmm. I don't know, Chris. I'm going to guess that has something to do with his physique. I don't know. I don't know. He also has straight, white, perfect teeth. That might have something to do with it. I don't know. I'm just going to say, when Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko fought a couple years ago, female viewership was up around the world in boxing. I saw statistics on this, okay? So, um, you know, do the math on that. Anyway, (laughs) with these two fighters, look, I respect the hell out of Heather Hardy. She's been through a hell of a lot of shit in her life and come out a winner. I respect the hell out of Amanda Serrano, both Serrano sisters, and all the other female fighters. But stop bitching about equal pay. Instead of bitching about equal pay and demanding because you're not putting up an equal product. You don't fight the same number of rounds. You don't fight uh, the same length of time in the rounds. Until you put up an equal product, you're not going to get the same pay. If a woman fighter, a woman boxer, comes out like Ronda Rousey and sets the world on fire and she's drilling chicks, she's knocking chicks out, she's something the world hasn't seen before, And she's good in front of a a mic like Ronda Rousey is. Good in front of the camera like Ronda Rousey is. She's going to get her money. Trust me. It will happen. All right? Layla Ali wasn't that great of a fighter. She's very overrated. She was good, but not as good as some people think. She made a lot of money, both in boxing and then after boxing. I know she did Dancing with the Stars. She's uh, all kinds of promotional stuff. She's made millions and millions of dollars. Now, some of that was her father's name, but some of it was the fact that she could fight a little bit, okay? And she had something to, like a, a, a thing to market. It didn't hurt that she was good in front of a camera. She's a good looking chick, you know? Uh, so it helped, right? At some point, one of these female fighters will break through, but she'll break through because she deserves it. Until then, look, man, when I hear someone like Heather Hardy's talked about this, I think several fighters have. You talk about, I want equal pay because I put in equal work. I'm in the gym training, busting my ass just like the men are. Really, I agree with you, but there are thousands of journeymen, male journeymen fighters around the world putting in 40, 50 hours a week at their full-time job, taking care of their kids at home, taking care of their wife at home, And then going to the gym at night, going to the gym on the weekend, busting their ass to go fight on a club show to make $500 that they got to sell tickets for just to make their $500. That's the majority of male fighters. You want to talk about equal pay and everybody getting what they deserve. There are plenty of dudes out there who are being underpaid. Okay, this isn't a sexist 
thing. It's business. It's entertainment. You provide the product, people will show. Case in point, KSI and Logan Paul, right? What did I just say about that fight? If two of the Kardashian sisters fought each other, everyone would watch and they'd make a ton of money. They'd make seven figures. It's not about sexism. It's about putting up a product that people want to see. That's what it is. Gail Falkenthal, let me hear your thoughts on this. She says, Montero, let me back you up as one of the few women boxing journalists in the biz. Agree with you. When women can put the butts in the seats and the eyes on the screen, they'll deserve more pay. Thank you, Gail. Thank you very, very much. And again, it's the same thing with male fighters. What do we talk about all the time? People talk about A-side, B-side, purse splits, you know, guaranteed contracts, all this stuff. And some fighters get paid more than others probably before they even deserve it, right? Anthony Joshua came out of the Olympics and instantly was selling out arenas and venues, almost instantly, okay? Selling out arenas, making tons of money. Everybody, every promoter was salivating over that dude, right? Why? He puts butts in seats. It doesn't hurt that he's a well-spoken British gentleman in boxing crazy UK. It also doesn't hurt that he's a 6'5 Adonis built like a brick shithouse, right? Those things help market him. There's a lot of women tuning in to watch Anthony Joshua fight. It's not just guys. It's mostly guys, but trust me, there's some chicks watching too. So it's about putting butts in seats. Sometimes it's demographics related. Sometimes it's how you look, how you sound. Sometimes it's how you fight. It always should be how you fight, at least to a certain degree. But at some point, one of these female fighters will break through. And when that happens, she will change the game. Right now, every single UFC female fighter should be kissing Ronda Rousey's ass. Because they're all making more money than they would have 10 years ago because of her. Period. End of story. Every boxer right now that's making good money should be kissing Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin's ass, and before them, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Mike Tyson, and on down the line. The, the people that come before you set things up. There's always somebody who breaks through the door and changes the game. And they lift the whole game up and benefit everybody that comes after. All right? So that will happen at some point. It ain't going to happen this Saturday. I think Amanda Serrano is going to win by decision. It's probably going to be the best fight on that card, though. However, actually, you know what? No, it's not. (laughs) I think that Hunter Kuzmin cards or fight is going to be pretty good. Hopefully, they don't hug each other too much. But the main event, Devin Haney, 22-0, 14 knockouts going up against Zaur Abduliev, 11-0, 7 knockouts. He also fought in the World Series of Boxing. This is a 12-rounder for the vacant WBC interim lightweight title. So basically, the winner of this fight is the interim slash mandatory for the real champion, Vasily Lomachenko. Haney turns 21 in November. He's on the fast track. I did a piece on him in Ring Magazine last year. Spoke to him, uh, his, his, his trainer's team. Awesome people. Publicists. These guys are great. And he's got a good head on his shoulders. He is focused, eyes on the prize. I like, I like what I see in Devin Haney. However, this is the biggest fight of his career so far. Amateur or pro. 
He's taken a leap in opposition here. Abduliev is no joke. However, I got to say this about Abduliev. Abduliev. Sorry, it's Abduliev, I, I do believe. Zaur Abduliev. This is his first fight as a professional outside of Russia. Let's see how he handles that. First fight outside of Russia in New York, MSG. There's going to be plenty of Russians in the crowd. And Kuzmin, who as I just talked about, is fighting also on the undercard. And there's some other Eastern black fighters who I talked about. So that fan contingency will be out there, right, supporting him. But it is his first fight outside of Russia. For both of these men, it is their best opponent to date. I saw one of you guys, who was it that said, Tim W. said, easy work for Haney. Dude, I don't know about that. I pick Haney to win. If Haney dominates Abdullayev, that's a huge statement. But I expect him to be competitive. I think it's going to be a competitive fight that goes the distance. Again, if Haney dominates and especially stops Abdullayev, that's some impressive shit. That's some really impressive shit. And he's right there ready to contend. And he'll have an interim title. Is he ready for Lomachenko? No. Do I think him and Lomachenko are going to fight next year? No. I don't see that happening. But he's going to be ready to contend if he dominates and wins this fight clear. Okay. Saturday, September 14th. We got a few different fights here. Uh, Carlos Takam fighting in upstate New York on Fight TV. That's F-I-T-E dot TV. His first fight of 2019, a good gatekeeper level heavyweight, just like uh, Derek Tresor without the personality. Derek Tresor might be a little better, but they're both right about the same. Also, Sergei Lakovich, remember him? Fighting in his adopted hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona. His first fight since 2017. That'll be fun. George Underwood says Haney versus Tank Davis would be dope. I agree with you, George. However, Tank Davis and his master, Floyd, they are not letting that shit happen. No way, no way. Not happening. I don't think Davis wants that work. I think I'd, I'd pick Haney to box the shit out of Tank Davis, big time. Uh, okay, let's talk about the two big cards. Actually, you know what? There's one other small event I wanted to talk about. Uh, in London, on ESPN Plus picked this up. Sonny Edwards... Younger brother of Charlie Edwards, who just had a disqualification fight against Mexican Julio Cesar Martinez a week ago, is defending uh, like a minor regional super flyweight title. He's 12-0 himself in London. Again, that's picked up by ESPN+. And then also, you have the ESPN Plus card from here in Las Vegas. Oh, no contest. James, Texas. Good call. That should have been a disqualification. It was a no contest. Good call. Thank you for correcting me on that, brother. Uh, Queensberry and Top Rank putting together this show in Las Vegas, ESPN Plus. In the main event, Tyson Fury defending his quote-unquote lineal heavyweight title against Swede Otto Wallen. This is 12 rounds. Uh, so look, I'll talk about lineal in just a second. I posted a video as yesterday, the day before, talking about breaking down why I don't feel Tyson Fury is the lineal heavyweight champion surprisingly it only has like a thousand views i thought that would get a lot more views but i think people are really just not interested in this fight i think that the fan interest is not really there very very um interesting chris bergen says lineal video is great material thank you very much man yeah i mostly got good response some of the fury fanboys 
really don't like me, but you know, it is what it is. One fight on this card that you guys should not sleep on. Jose Pedraza, the Puerto Rican who's held titles at 130, 135, 2008 Olympian for Puerto Rico. Going up against Mexican-American Jose Zapeda, who just had a close fight with uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez back in February. He's bounced up and down and weighed a little bit. They got a 10-rounder. That's going to be fun. You got to have a Puerto Rican versus a Mexican, even though he's an American-Mexican, on this card. And I think that they're hoping that's going to help bring out the Mexican fan contingent. Also, of course, in the co-main, Mexican, real, from Mexico, Emmanuel Navarrete going up against Juan Miguel Ilord, Third defense of Navarrete's WBO Super Bantamweight title. This is Mexico versus Philippines. Smart. You got Mexico versus Puerto Rico. You got Mexico versus Philippines. Right around Mexican Independence Day weekend. Smart move by top rank, putting those fights together. Uh, also, though, age is a big thing in this fight. Navarrete, 24. Elord, 33. And kind of an old 33. Elord fought in the USA only once before in his career and lost by unanimous decision. Navarrete, four fights in 2018. This will be his third of 2019. One of the more busy fighters in the sport that has a title. I like that. He's going to win this fight big. And that's going to, the crowd, the Mexican fans in the crowd, they're going to love that shit. All right, back to main event. And I'm not going to dwell on this Tyson Fury lineal thing for too damn long. But again, man, wins, beats Vladimir Klitschko in November 2015. I still put a minor asterisk next to that W. I went back and forth with some of you guys on Twitter about the Nandrolone situation, UCAD, Fury with performance-enhancing drugs, and then cocaine afterwards and all that stuff. Look, I'm not even going to get into that here. Tyson Fury beats Vladimir Klitschko November 2015. Awesome. Doesn't fight again until June 2018. Okay? Bottom line, end of story, however you want to talk about, you know, we don't even have to talk about why. Dude didn't fight for almost three years. Lost every title he had. Was stripped, not just of the alphabet titles, but was stripped of his ring magazine title. Was unranked briefly by sanctioning organizations. Okay? Unlicensed. Retired. Seriously. He retired, quote unquote. Did not fight for almost three years. Comes back. Cifer Safari, not even a top 100 heavyweight. Francesco Pianetta, who's at his best, was a fringe contender, top 12, top 15, maybe heavyweight. Right now, he's not even in the top 20. And then Tom Schwartz, and this weekend, he's going to beat Otto Wallen. By the way, he did have performance-enhancing drug issues in 2015. He did pop for Nandrolone by UCAD. And then later on in 2016, tested positive for cocaine. From that period of time, all the way up until his fight with Deontay Wilder, no drug testing, okay? No advanced drug testing through a program like VADA. Hasn't since the Deontay Wilder fight that I've been made aware of. So I'm not saying that to bash Tyson Fury or anything else, but given his whole past, everything that happened, if I'm Deontay Wilder and they're doing that rematch in February, I want Vada testing again. And I'm pretty sure he'll demand that. And expect the drinking game this weekend, guys, is every time the ESPN guys say the word lineal, you have to take a shot. Now, you might end up in the emergency room, but it'll be a lot of fun. 
Probably more fun than the fight itself. Tyson Fury will probably knock this dude out. It could go the distance, depending on how this guy chooses to fight. Could go the distance. Uh, This guy's probably a little bit better than Tom Schwartz. So maybe it goes all 12. Do you want to watch Tyson Fury slap this dude for 12 rounds? Is that what you consider a lineal heavyweight championship defense? I don't. I said this in my video that I posted the other day. Right now, Fury and Wilder are rated number one and number two in the world. If that, if it stays that way, if it stays that way, and they rematch next February like they're supposed to, like they're saying they want to, and they're rated number one and number two in the world when they fight that rematch, guess what? The winner of that fight is the lineal champion and the man because it's number one versus number two. That was not the case when they fought the first time. Not the case. Anthony Joshua was rated number one. Wilder, maybe two or three, depending on, I think he was rated two by most publications. But Fury was all over the place. A lot of people didn't even have Fury in the top 10 because he hadn't fought a top 10 rated contender in over three years. All right? So that's all I got to say about that. Fury's going to win. And look, I have nothing against Tyson Fury. Let, let me just, let me add one little thing. I lied. Tyson Fury's a great character. He's a damn good fighter too. And it's no hyperbole to say what he brings to the ring as a heavyweight, a six foot eight heavyweight that moves the way he moves. We've never seen it. In the history of boxing, we've never seen a man that big move the way he moves and be able to box the way he boxes. We have never seen it. Tyson Fury on his A game, fully confident and mentally together, is something we haven't seen before. So I'm a fan of him in the ring. I like watching him fight. But he's not the champion right now. Right now, you got a bunch of guys at the top of the heavyweight division. No one has separated themselves yet as the guy. Period. Regardless of what Joe Tessitore and Andre Ward and Tim Bradley and Max Kellerman and the crew tell you this Saturday. All right, one other card this Saturday at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California. Golden Boy Promotions on the zone. Ryan Garcia, 18-0, 15 knockouts, going up against Avery Sparrow, 10 rounds, lightweights. Garcia, 5'10", 70 inches, 21 years old. Sparrow, 5'7". And he is 25 years old. I think 72-inch reach. Uh, He's from Philly, I do believe. He's fought mostly around Philly. And uh, he had one KO win last year, turned into a no contest for drugs. So um, no drug testing for this fight at all. And I think Sparrow actually talked about that in some interviews recently. Ryan Garcia looking jacked. There's no drug testing. Well, take with that what you will. Jaime Munguia in the main event going up against Patrick Aladi from Ghana. Uh, Jaime Munguia is 33-0, 26 knockouts. Aladi is 40-3, 30 knockouts. This is the fifth defense of Munguia's junior middleweight title. Height will play a factor here. Munguia is six feet tall, huge for that division. Aladi's five foot nine. He's left Ghana three times. All three times he's lost. This is his fourth time fighting outside Ghana, guess what? It's going to be his fourth professional loss. What does this do for Jaime Munguia other than make him some money and uh, Mexican-American fans in Los Angeles come down and watch him fight? Not much else. Keeps him busy. Makes a little cash. 
So that's cool. And then he's going to move up to 160 pounds. I'm curious if we see the real Jaime Munguia in this fight. He's been trying to box a little bit too much recently. That's not who he is. He needs to go in there and just try to blast this dude out of there. All right, let's get to some questions, guys. And then we're going to wrap it up. Let's see. We've been going for about 45 minutes here. Hmm. Salem Mooney says, don't understand why Fury is number one. AJ was number one and Ruiz took his spot. Fury is number three. That's a great comment. And this that's something that we argued back and forth about on the ratings committee a little bit. Because um, there were several people who felt the same way, okay? The difference here is that Ruiz has lost. He lost to Joseph Parker, Right. Close fight, could have went either way, but he did lose. He's been very inconsistent, and he just had this one big win, right? If you look at Tyson Fury's resume, he had one big win as well over Vladimir Klitschko, but he also had that draw with Deontay Wilder, who many people saw as the number two heavyweight. So the overall body of work, and a lot of people on the ratings committee felt that Fury won that fight and deserved to win that fight and was kind of robbed. So the decision was made to bump him up to number one and keep Wilder at number two. And three and four right now is Ruiz and Joshua. And let's see how the rematch plays out. You may agree with that. You may disagree with, <clears throat> disagree with it. And that's fine. You can absolutely make a case for saying Andy Ruiz is the number one heavyweight right now. Personally, I don't think he's going to win that rematch. I don't think he's the best heavyweight in the world. I think he struck lightning in a bottle that night, and I think Joshua's going to win the rematch. The question for me is, how does he win the rematch? Does he play it safe? Does he get dropped a couple more times? Does he barely beat Ruiz? Or does he dominate him the way that most people felt he would the first time around? If he dominates Ruiz, then maybe he gets back up there. Is he back up in the top spot? No. But maybe he creeps up to like number two or something. It all depends on how these next few fights play out, man. The, the good thing is the top four guys. And if you call Luis Ortiz number five, cool. I don't. I don't think he's the fifth best heavyweight. But all these guys are fighting over the next few months. So it's going to get kind of cleared up. You know what I'm saying? They're going to kind of clear all this up. And by the end of the year, we'll have a much clearer picture of the heavyweight division, of the rating, the ranking at the top going into 2020. And we're going to get some of the fights that we want in 2020 that were kind of set up this year. So good things ahead, my man. But again, you make a good point, and I understand that point of view. Sultan Murr says, should the State Athletic Commission deny big drug cheat Miller beyond the WBA suspension? If so, for how long? They should, but there's a loophole in the law, the bylaws of the New York State Athletic Commission, something with the way, I don't remember specifically off the top of my head, but at the time they did a hearing, technically I don't think Jarrell Miller was licensed. And because he wasn't licensed, they couldn't suspend him. It's some weird loophole. So when he does come back, I don't know how that's going to look. 
I don't know if somebody can mandate that he has to do an advanced testing program or anything like that. I don't think they can. But if I'm fighting Jarrell Big Baby Miller, I'm demanding Vada right away, you know? And this, I really hope he doesn't just walk into a big fight because he doesn't deserve it. He didn't deserve the Anthony Joshua fight, actually. Tommy Boseo asks, Hey Montero, your thoughts on Frampton versus Dog Bay? It's rumored to be in the works. Oh my God, I hope not. Dog Bay needs a rest, dude. It would be fun, but I just think Frampton's just a better athlete, a better boxer. And yes, he's faded. He's past his best years, but Dog Bay's coming off those two beatings. Dog Bay needs a top... He needs an Otto Wallen. (laughs) He needs Otto Wallen or Tom Schwartz or Sefer Safari. That's who he needs to be fighting. A little version of one of those guys. Not Carl Frampton, bro. Oh, man. Mr. Money, Mr. Dizone, or H. Money, Mr. DeZone says Loma is ducking Devin Haney. That's hilarious. I'm a, I shouldn't have even read that. It says Devin Haney will knock out Loma. All right, then. Devin Haney is the next Mayweather. You might be right, dude. But let's see how he looks Saturday. Okay? Let, let, let's see that first before we anoint him the next Mayweather, who's an all-time great. <clears throat> Tommy Boseo says top rank is offering Big Baby Miller a three-fight deal. Very possible. Very, very possible. But, again, he takes Vada. Fine. He's a character. He's going to make for good fights. And, look, he'd provide a great opponent for Tyson Fury in New York. If they do drug testing for that fight, even if they don't, because Tyson Fury might not want drug testing. In New York, imagine at the Garden, Fury versus Miller. It'd sell. It would sell. Muscle Memory says, Good evening, Mr. Montero. Does Beevil have an opponent yet for October 12th? To my knowledge, no. They're close, but they've had trouble securing an opponent. It's been really tough. Expect it to be a disappointment. It's probably going to be a disappointment. Actually, um, Beevil said earlier, I think it was last week, actually, he said, Announcement coming soon. We're getting close. Still nothing. So... It's going to be kind of like the guy, uh, Alexander Usyk's fighting. It's going to be somebody like that. hate to say it, but it's so late in the game. They've had a lot of people turning it down, man. A lot of people turning it down. Tim Nix says, Fury did not land money punches. It was a very close fight. Facts. I guess you're talking about Fury and Wilder. I, I agree. That, that fight wasn't very good. A lot of people talk about that fight like it was this all-time great heavyweight fight. It wasn't that good. There was a couple of interesting moments. Very tense, but not that good. But a lot, you know, there are people out there who score that fight nine rounds to three for Fury. That's insane. That's insane, man. That's, a, that's too wide. I think that's too wide. Chris Bergen asked, who will end up being the king of the light heavyweight division? Well, look, man, we're going to get Paterbiev and Vozdik fighting next month. I think the winner of that fight is the guy right now. I really, really do. Because it's two of the top guys. They're unifying titles. Technically, if you're into all this lineal bullshit, Vozdik already beat the lineal champ. That was Adonis Stevenson, right? And they each have titles. So they're going to be unifying titles. There's lineage involved. The winner of that fight is the man, in my opinion. Uh, You could make an argument, though, for Sergey Kovalev. But it depends... If, he, if, if somehow Sergey Kovalev beat Canelo Alvarez, 
ooh, that might change the discussion, even though Canelo's a middleweight. It would just show that Sergey's still live. He's still a live dog, and he's still very, very much got some, some, uh, some juice left. You know what I mean? Uh, but if Kovalev loses to Canelo, which I think he will, Viterbia, Vozdik, that's the champ of that division, bro. And Bivol is quite possibly moving to 68. So, John Uden asked, Mike, with his punch output, do you give Navarrete the edge as the best super bantamweight right now? I do. I actually, I, I do. Uh, young guy. I, th- I said, yeah, he's 24 right now. 24 years old, active, really, really improved. Watch some of his fights two years ago on YouTube and look at him now. He is improving. He is showing some craft. I think just because of his physicalness and, as you said, his activity, his work rate, he's the best in that division right now. However, he ain't going to make that weight forever. When he moves up to 26, he's going to have problems because there's guys there that can match his physicality and guys there that can outbox him and have a lot more skill and craft. So... Carlos Cabrera says, Navarrete versus Inoue. Holy shit. That'd be lit. <laughs> if if uh, Inoue beats Donaire, which he should later this year, ends up fighting Luis Neri at some point next year, and then moves up to 22, sign me up for some of that shit, brother. Sign me up. Sailor Muni says, I'm going to the gym. Slayer or Montero? <laughs> Montero, come on. He's, look, guys, I think I mentioned this before on the podcast. I've been trying to listen to um, podcasts when I work out instead of music. It makes shit a lot harder. It's easy to get pumped up for your next set if you got some, some beats playing or something. But if you're listening to actual podcasts about a subject that you really like, you know, I like history, I like politics, not just boxing. Um, it forces you to focus in a different way. You're connecting your physical exercise, right? Your physical exercise with your mind because you're listening to something with intent. So if it's on a subject that you care a lot about, say you love history, the Mayan culture, and you're listening to a podcast with a, a dude who wrote a book about the Mayan culture and you're talking about all these different things, you find that interesting. As you're pumping, as you're lifting weights. That's connecting your mind and body in a different way. You're doing your exercise with intent now. A lot of people just throw on some music, whatever you listen to, rap, techno, death metal, whatever, and they go in there and beast out a workout. You're just physically reacting at that point, right? You're emotionally and physically reacting. The music is pushing you emotionally. Try. And it will be, you'll, you'll see a difference. It will be hard for you the first couple of weeks. Try turning off the music and listening to podcasts, books on tape, that kind of shit while you work out. Totally different experience, but you'll feel sharper. At least I do. I feel like I'm learning. I'm expanding my mind. Maybe doing a book on tape or something as I'm running, as I'm hitting the bag. Totally different experience, bro. So your answer is Montero, of course. Listen to the show while you work out, man. Sarah Lechak says, push the like button. If not, you're a biatch. I agree, Sarah. <laughs> MJB Tacos in the house. What's up, man? What's up, my man? Uh, I'll be seeing you soon, brother. I'll be out there soon. 
George Underwood asks, Pretty Boy Floyd versus Ryan Garcia, who wins? Are you talking about right now? Even right now, I think Floyd would box the shit out of Ryan Garcia. Oh, Harrison Property with the Super Chat. He says, great work as usual, Mike. And Lucas Nunez with the Super Chat as well, saying, hey, Mike, appreciate the work you do. One question. How often do you think a boxer should fight per year? They should fight at least once every three months. First of all, let me say thank you to both of you guys, Harrison Property and Lucas Nunez. Lucas, to answer your question, it depends on the fighter, bro. If you're talking about a prospect or a really young guy trying to build his way up, I just talked about Emmanuel Navarrete. Fought four times last year. Those four fights last year got him ready to do what he did against Dog Bay in those two fights, right? And now he's fighting three times this year. Young guys like him, particularly little guys, need to be active. But when you start getting older, it's actually better that rest period is better. And your camps are different. Everything becomes different. So somebody like Sergey Kovalev, you know, this turnaround from when he just fought uh, Anthony Yard to now fighting Canelo, I think it's way too quick of a turnaround for him. He's taking the fight because of the career high money. He's going to get eight figures for that fight. He's going to get 12 mil, but then people are forgetting there's Russian money and everything else involved. So he's going to eat very well off that fight. Guys like uh, Golovkin right now shouldn't fight more than two or three times a year. If it's two top 10 opponents, then maybe that third fight is a guy like, uh, who the hell did he just fight? I can't even think of the dude's name that he just fought, but an opponent like that. So it really depends on the fighter. You know what I'm saying? It's In boxing, one size does not fit all. You know what I'm saying? It just depends on the fighter and where you're at in your career. Prospects, dude, you could be fighting once every other month. You could be fighting six, seven times a year. Rolls, Steve Rolls, Isaiah helping me out. Yeah. So if you're fighting Steve Rolls level opponents, well, then if you're Golovkin's age, you can fight four times a year. But if you're fighting three times and two of them, like, Sergey Derevyanchenko, right? A guy at that level, you're only doing that a couple times a year at Golovkin's age. If you're going to fight a third, fourth time, it's got to be a Steve Rolls type guy. John Uden with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He says, did Dog Bay's loss kill Jesse Magdaleno's motivation? You're talking about when Dog Bay beat Jesse Magdaleno? Uh, You know... I'll say this about Jesse. I'm not going to say too much on the record. He's not very, very happy with where he's at in boxing right now and just the sport in general. He's kind of going through the motions. Maybe that loss took something out of him, but I think he feels that he was uh, maybe not the most prepared for that fight, and he's frustrated. So he's kind of uh, in in a bad place with the sport right now. I think it'll pass. I think he'll be okay. He's carved out a good career for himself. Oh, you guys are fighting so much about this uh, Fury thing. Fury and Wilder. I will say, man, the whole Fury and Wilder thing, it's become so polarized. So polarized. All right. Survive says, damn, I'm late to the live stream. Did he already talk about Logan Paul KSI? (laughs) Yes, I did. Survive. Go back and watch it earlier. I think you'll be surprised at what I had to say. Look, I don't hate that fight. I don't love it. I don't hate it either. I don't think it's going to build any new fans to the sport. I think that's a ridiculous notion. 
Did celebrity boxing bring new fans to the sport? Some of you guys are too young to remember when Fox did celebrity boxing. It's a freak show. It's a one-off. It's a fun, special, little, interesting niche event. There will be more of them. We're going to see more YouTube guys fight. At some point, you're probably going to see fights between media guys. Like, I was half joking when I tweeted, I think it was a week ago, where I said, shit, I'll fight on the zone. Anybody want to fight me? I'll, I'd do it. If the if zone wants to put me on a five-rounder, I don't want to do amateur shit. I'll get my pro license. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? I think something like that could be possible one day. With YouTube and streaming technology, you don't have to worry about networks. That's why this fight's on the zone. These guys are on the internet. They're on YouTube, right? They're internet personalities. So it makes sense that their fight's on the zone. So that it's the same technology. They're not TV celebrities. And I think that you're going to see more of that kind of shit. People are figuring out how to do live streams and all these different things. Survive says Montero versus Eddie Hearn. Make it happen. Hell yeah, dude. Eddie's my size too. I'd fight Eddie Hearn. That would be awesome. I get to punch Eddie Hearn? Shit. I, I like Eddie Hearn, but so many people out there dislike him. I don't know why. It's, it's so interesting. Jack Alter asks, Triple G versus Derevyanchenko prediction. Triple G by decision in that fight, but he's going to take some punishment. It's going gonna, it's gonna to put some wear and tear on him. But and just because of styles, Triple G's much better, much more accomplished fighter than Derevyanchenko, but because of their body styles and fighting styles, uh, Sergey's going to get some punches in. Fartero asks, who's the best, Steve Smoger or Steve Willis? Shit, bro, that's 50-50. Smoger, as far as how he handled fights, I like him better. As far as personality, uh, you got to go with Steve Willis, man. He's hilarious, his eyes. But the two Steves, those are two of my favorite refs of all time, for real, though. Gail Falkenthal said, who's the A-side between Montero and Hearn? <laughs> MOB for sure, baby. <laughs> Yeah, something tells me I'd maybe be getting 10% of that purse split. <laughs> maybe 10%. Uh, John Uden says, Mike, Logan Paul, and KSI will have fought twice, and we can't get Tank and Farmer in their ring once. Ha! It's true. Sad but true. Ozzie says, Eddie is 6'5", and he can box. He's a problem, Mike. He is a problem. You know what? I'll solve that problem. They won't put me on the zone and pay me. I'll solve the Eddie Hearn problem. Sign me up for that shit. We're probably the same age. Hell, he might be younger than me. I'm 40. Isn't he in his 30s still or is he in his 40s? Either way, same size. Uh, he grew up with a lot more money than me. <laughs> we, we didn't grow up very much the same way. But uh, same size, same age, same reach. Shit, man, I'll box Eddie. Let's do it. Make that shit happen. Jack Alter asked, you see Chenko getting dropped since Colke almost dropped him and Jacobs dropped him. You know, Jack, it is very possible that Golovkin could score a late stoppage in that fight. It's very, very possible. At first, I think distance fight, it depends on which Drevinchenko shows up. He has taken punishment. He has been wobbled. You mentioned Colke, Jacobs. Uh, so if that trend continues, right, uh, and, and Golovkin fights smart and sticks behind the jab and systematically breaks him down with the jab and starts working the body, he could absolutely stop him late. And that, you know what? This fight is a good barometer to show us where Golovkin is. A lot of people have talked about he's past his best. He's faded, right? He's over the hill. 
if he stops Derevyanchenko, something Jacobs couldn't do, right? I think it shows that he's still pretty much at the top of his game. If it goes to distance and Derevyanchenko has moments, I think it shows that he's definitely past his best days. For my money, I, I think the best version of Golovkin is right around the time where he fought David Lemieux. Right around there was his best. I mean, he, that was his absolute peak as a fighter. James Tech says, faded but still great. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Oh, you guys, Feed Me Stats says, my money is on Montero. All right, so the odds are early on are in my favor. Let's see what Vegas has to say. Tim Nick says, Hearn versus Montero is better than Fury versus Otto Wallen. You know what? It is. And we actually make pretty damn fun press conferences. With my personality and his personality, he's a sarcastic shit just like I am. I'd try to imitate him. He'd probably try to imitate me. He does, a pretty, he does a way better American accent than I do British accent, but we make that shit fun. We do a press tour in London, New York, and LA, and we'd fight. I guess we'd fight somewhere in the middle. Maybe New York would be the spot. Yeah, maybe New York. All right, guys, we've been going here for over an hour, so... Man, this was a fun show. I, I felt, I gotta be honest, I felt a little sloppy tonight because I've been off for like a week. I was a little sloppy, but we'll tighten that shit up. Oh, right at the end here, Carlos Cabrera says, great job, Mike. Mike versus Bias Coppinger. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Carlos. Uh, look, I would fight Mike Coppinger. He, he's my size too. That would be like a battle of peers. That would be really, really fun. I'd absolutely fight Mike Coppinger. There'd be a lot of people that would love to see that shit. For real. Would love to see that shit. Jack says, you and Tiff are looking great in the workouts, dude. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Actually, you know, I I, I did track back in school. It's one of the sports. I played a bunch of sports back in school. And um, I found a, a, a track around here. Stairs, uh, foot, a couple football fields, track where, you know, I could do 40-yard sprints and everything. I'm taking Tiff there tomorrow. I'm going to kick her ass. She's going to hate me, but she's going to love me afterward because she's never done, like, a real track workout in, like, sprints and steps and things like that. So she doesn't know how that feels. It's going to whoop her ass. It's going to be... The thing is, though, she's a little monster. She'll fight through it. She for real will. Salem Mooney says, How about six-rounder with the barbershop, dude? I'd feel bad fighting him. He's such a little beta cuck male. Uh, come on, man. A jab that dude would run. There's been a couple of personal run-ins with that individual. Um, I, I'm not going to talk about here. But very, very quickly, let me just say, I could tell where that dude's heart is. And, and it was very, he very, very quickly backed down. So... I wouldn't fight that guy. That would just not be fair, man. I'd actually have... Tiffany would fight him. That would be a fight. And Tiffany would beat him, by the way. Uh, that'd be a fight that I'd bet on. That would be awesome. Tiffany, there's the Kung Fu monster, says Tim Nick. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stop it right there on that one. All right. Thank you very much, guys. And so, next week, Monday's show will be the review of all this weekend stuff. That will be here in Atlanta. Thursday's preview show, I will be in Los Angeles. 
I'm hoping I'm going to take my equipment and stuff with me. I hope that I'll be able to do the show from the hotel in downtown LA. Okay. So we're going to take the show to the West Coast next week and for the next couple weeks. All right, guys. Thank you very, very, very much. I love you guys. Have a good weekend. I'll see you at the fights.